and welcome back to Cloud9Fin, the podcast where we simplify the sophisticated world of corporate credit. I'm your host, Will Cager-Smith, and this week I'm coming to you from our London office, which has a lovely new recording studio. And partly because I'm in London, we're actually not talking about the US this week. We're going to talk about something that's going on just down the road in UK restructuring court. It's a little unusual, but we thought it would be interesting for most credit people, wherever you are. And to explain it all, I've got Bianca Bora in the studio with me. She covers restructuring for Ninefit. So first things first, welcome, Bianca. I know it's been a busy day for you, so thanks for letting me rope you in on this. Anytime. All right. So talk to me about Vion. What is Vion? So Vion is a telecoms company. It's headquartered in Holland, but it has operations all over the world in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, and most notably Russia, where it generates over half of its sales. Aha, okay. So why are we talking about Vion? I have a guess, but I want to hear it from you. So I've been in court this week doing some reporting from there. Um, They have kicked off a restructuring process um, but it's kind of unusual. Um, they're they're using using restructuring law in a creative way to solve some problems caused by sanctions on Russia. Right. Okay. This has been in the works for a while, um, but this week we reported on a UK High Court ruling on the process that could have some interesting implications for the restructuring world. Okay. So let's break this down. Normally, when companies restructure, is because they've been performing badly, they've got too much debt, and they can't pay it off which isn't exactly the case here or at least it's not a restructuring for the usual reasons so in a nutshell can you explain why Vion is restructuring yeah so Vion does have a lot of debt um it's got several billion dollars worth but it's it's not as highly leveraged as the companies you would normally encounter in a restructuring um basically this restructuring is all to do with sanctions essentially Vion wants to reduce its exposure to Russia so it's trying to sell its Russian subsidiary, Vimplecom. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's also trying to find a way to pay its Russian bondholders, which it can't do in the way that it normally would because of the sanctions imposed on Russia this year. Okay, yeah, these sanctions have really messed up the financial plumbing for any company connected to Russia, right? Yeah, it's made things really complicated. So what Vian has come up with is it's using what's called a UK scheme of arrangement to fix these problems. And under this restructuring scheme, it's asking its investors that hold bonds which mature in February and April next year to extend the maturities by eight months. Okay, got it. So they're buying time. So what are they buying time for? Yeah, normally a company would look to extend the maturities of its debt if it's running low on liquidity. But this isn't really the case for Vion. It has about $2.5 billion of cash, which is more than enough to pay down both of these 2023 notes. Okay, the reason Vion is proposing the extension is because it wants more time to sell its Russian subsidiary. Vimplecom. Yeah, and it also wants to fix this problem it has with paying its Russian bondholders. So around half of its investors that hold Vion's bonds are Russian. Those bonds are held in Russia's National Settlement Depository. Which is basically a clearinghouse, right? Yeah, and because that depository is a sanctioned entity, any payments made by Vion to those bondholders would just get stuck in the clearing system. That money isn't allowed to reach the bondholders. Okay, so the sanctions are basically preventing the company from repaying its creditors, even though it has enough money to repay them. But there's more, right? There's there's other problems that these sanctions have created for Vion. 
Yeah, lots of problems. Uh, since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, Vion has not been able to upstream any earnings from its Russian subsidiary to its parent company. Okay. Um, it's also basically been shut out of the capital markets, uh, so it can't raise new debt. So when you break this all down, you can kind of see why Vion has decided it needs to get rid of Vimplecom and just cut its exposure to Russia. Okay, and and so they're they're repurposing this UK restructuring scheme as a creative way to fix these sanctions issues and solve the whole Vimplecom problem. Yeah, it's it's quite clever actually. Um, basically, because of the sanctions, Vion won't be able to access any proceeds it gets from selling Vimplecom. So the solution they've come up with is uh, a management buyout. Okay. So certain members of Vimplecom's management are going to buy Vimplecom from Vion, and then they're going to use the proceeds to buy back the Vion bonds that are held by Russian investors. So the money stays in Russia. Yeah, and that means that the sanctions don't get triggered. Vion solves its Russian bondholder problem, and on top of that, it gets to get rid of Vimplecom. Okay, so it sounds like quite a creative solution for a really complex problem but i just want to understand if they can't make this work for whatever reason what would happen well if they can't figure this out then they might potentially face some solvency issues um they've got these two bonds which mature next year but they've also got other bonds that mature all the way up to 2027 so without this scheme and getting rid of implcom the sanctions could just cause problems with all those maturities right so in your story on this, which went out earlier this week, you mentioned this kind of complicated issue around a double payment. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Can you explain that? Yeah, um, so Vion is obliged to repay the debt itself, as we've discussed, um, and that repayment will get stuck because of the sanctions. Mm -hmm. But the Russian Ministry of Finance has also told Vimplecom that if the Vion repayment gets stuck, Vimplecom would have to repay the debt itself. Um, so ultimately, that could mean that Vion is paying this debt twice. Right, okay. There's a, so there's a lot hinging on the success of this scheme. Um, if Vion can sell Vimplecom before these bond maturities, it would essentially avo avoid all of these problems. Okay, so it's kind of like if this scheme goes through, I mean, not everyone wins, but it's a good outcome for, for most stakeholders here. But obviously, it never ends up being that simple in practice. And it sounds like some people have issues with this plan. So can you explain who these people are and why they're objecting? Yeah, so in court yesterday, uh, there, were, there was counsel for two investors um, and they collectively hold a very small chunk of Vion's February and April bonds. The ones that mature next year? Yeah, the two 2023 maturities. Okay. Uh, anyway, these, these bondholders have hired lawyers and in court this week, the lawyers laid out an argument opposing Vion's plan to have both these bonds under one class. Okay. And in a restructuring, the way creditors are grouped together in different classes can have quite important ramifications, as I understand it. Yeah, exactly. So for a restructuring scheme to be approved, you need the approval of the majority of creditors in each class. And that means the size of the class and how many bonds are included in each class can impact the ability to reach a majority. Mm -hmm. um, so the courts are quite keen to make sure that the classes are set out fairly. Okay, so why do these bondholders think the two notes that they hold should be in different classes? So the lawyer for these bondholders argued that the, the holders of these two sets of notes have different interests. Uh, because of the different maturity dates, but also the fact that some of the holders are Russian. Um, so therefore, we just think that they shouldn't really be lumped together. Okay. 
Did the lawyer explain this further? It's quite complicated. Yeah, he gave like um, a hypothetical example of two different types of creditors. So he said like a scheme creditor A would be like a UK holder of the February 2023 notes. Um, and he was arguing like, why would that person agree to extend the maturity when they're due to get paid in less than two months time? Right. And if you're that bondholder, you wouldn't have any issues receiving your payment because you're in the UK, not Russia. Exactly. Right. So um, we didn't really go into this at the beginning, but essentially to incentivize non-Russian holders to approve the scheme, the company offered an amendment fee and also to buy back some of the notes by May next year. Okay. And I sense there's a but here. What's the but? Yeah, but the the bondholders lawyer argues that there's a risk that those incentives might not materialize. Um, this is again because of sanctions. Basically, the company needs uh, regulatory approval before the scheme can be implemented. And if it doesn't get that approval, the amendments wouldn't take place. So he was posturing that this could lead to a scenario where creditors are sort of forced to agree to a standstill, but then they don't get anything in return. Right. And if there's a standstill, during the standstill, Vion's whole situation could potentially deteriorate. Yeah. But we should be clear that Vion has said that it absolutely intends to repay those notes and that they want this scheme to go through to give them time to sort of like sort out this whole situation and and sell Vimplecom. Right. So they, they, they're highly incentivized to fix this whole situation. Um, okay. So what does the judge think of all of this? Yeah. So Justice Zaccaroli didn't really buy the argument about why the two bondholder groups should be in separate classes. He sort of felt that the differences between them weren't material enough. Um, Overall, he's happy with the current classification. The only caveat is that he didn't approve um, a proposal to make the amendment thresholds for both the notes identical. Um, So he just asked for that bit to be excised from the proposal. And um, so these notes will still have different veto rights when it comes to amendments. Okay. So yeah, this is a pretty complicated situation and it's quite specific. There's lots of detail. But what's the bigger takeaway here for credit more broadly? Yeah, well, I guess it sort of shows how creative people are trying to get with in markets these days. Right. Yeah, there's we've seen a bit of that recently. There's been some interesting documentation stuff going on, whether it's sanctions or amendments or MFN rights. It's like you name it, people are arguing about it. Yeah. And then for the the restructuring space, the treatment of like Pari Pasu creditors and the court's interpretation of their interests. It's it's a really important topic. Mm -hmm. Basically, companies will often seek to dilute the votes of dissenting creditors by lumping them together. And the value of having temporal seniority being ahead in the maturity queue hasn't been properly tested in the English courts. Mm -hmm. Um, So this ruling kind of speaks to that. And this kind of stuff could crop up in creditor-on-creditor violence litigation. Love me some creditor-on-creditor violence. Yeah, so for example, imagine if Intralot's restructuring last year was contested by its 2024 note holders in the UK. And also with Adler Group, their 2029 bondholders are currently arguing about their treatment. So this written reasoning by Zaccaroli on Vion could either help or hinder their case if Adler restructuring ends up being implemented by a UK scheme. Right. Lawyers are going to have a lot of fun over the next few months, aren't they? Yeah, and we'll be writing a lot of stories about it. (laughs) I look forward to reading them. Well, anyway, we should 
wrap it up there this has been a ride so thank you Bianca you've opened my eyes to UK restructuring law you're very welcome you can consider yourself one of us now (laughs) all right well that's all we've got time for this week thanks again for tuning in and from all of us at Ninefin we hope you have a wonderful festive break we'll be back again in the new year for more market shenanigans so until then as always take care and happy holidays (laughs) 